It's that time again, fellers, as Jock Journal presents The Free Parking Show. Just a bunch of country boys who have a lot to say about sports. They invite you to call in, text, or just listen in. So pull up a comfy chair and crack open a beer. It's time to talk sports, chicks, and flicks. You're listening live to the Free Parking Show here on Jock Journal Radio. We have a great show for you tonight. Of course, Wednesday night means it's par for the scores time. Our game show, uh, a lot of fun tonight. We have great uh, teams doing battle tonight, great questions. I'm very excited to see what the guys have come up with. Um, We're going to head right into it right now. The first team uh, everybody knows from the show, from the Free Parking Show, uh, Rich and Amos are going to team up tonight. Uh, guys, how are you feeling tonight? Are you are you feeling good? Are you going to win tonight? I hope so. I'm tired of being winless. <laughs> feeling great. <laughs> feeling great. I think we got this one in the bag. Amos is actually, as we talked about last night, uh, 3-0 and on the game show right now. So he has never lost, actually. I may be your bad luck charm because I have never won yet. So we'll say one one of them's going to give the other way, I guess. All right. And what team name? What's your guys' team name for tonight? Go ahead. We are Ray Finkel's Estranged Children. <laughs> I love the name. I've heard it like 12 times. It's still funny. <laughs> All right. And then on the other side, we have, as everybody knows, Peter from the show. And our special guest for everybody who knows is familiar with the Jock Journal Radio World. From the Sports Drive, Frank Sprankle. How you doing, Frank? Have I been sold into slave labor, gentlemen? I'm joining you guys tonight. Okay, so who who bought me? And now, now all of a sudden, I'm, I'm I'm in slave labor. Who bought me here? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Ryan, I, was it you? No, I I, I uh, I'm a little bit against slavery. I know it's like a controversial stance to take, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it. I'm against slavery. Oh, so I'm not a slave. Woo, that's a relief. <laughs> All right, what's your guys' team name for tonight? Uh, well, so considering that Sean Mann likes to call me the Blue Bumblebee from Indiana, and it is a Chicago suburb that I live in, even though I don't live in Red Indiana, I live in Blue Indiana, I am no, we are going to be known as, for you, Sean, my co-host on the Sports Drive, the Blue Bumblebees. All right, so it's the Blue Bumblebees taking on Ray Finkel's Estranged Children. That is so funny. That is good stuff. Um, all right, it's for anybody who has never listened to the show before, this is how it's going to work. we got our two teams of two here. They're going to go head-to-head on sports questions that I've came up with um, and battled out. These questions come from all over the sports world. We'll cover the NBA, the NFL, the NHL, college basketball, college football, uh, NASCAR, I mean, there's we take from everywhere. Um, and I, I'll ask the questions that you guys will debate. Debate, I'll award a point to one team or the other. At the very end of the show, we have one last question. All four guys will get a chance to answer that question. Um, and that one's worth three. All the other questions are worth one. <clears throat> and then these guys have also come up with punishments for the other team. So should one team win, Uh-oh. they have to to do the punishment that the other team came up with. So before we start into the show here, we're going to start with Ray Finkel's The Strange Children. What is your punishment for the Blue Bumblebees should you guys win tonight? Dear Lord, I'm scared. Okay, so if we win, 
Uh, Frank, you have to say that Darrow's was a better Chicago Bull than Michael Jordan ever was. And oh. Peter, you have to admit that you're a bum. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say that Derrick Rose, Derrick Rose, Derrick Rose has, has decreased. He's deflated. Well, that, I know. Kind of, but that's part of your punishment. That's the whoa, 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 whoa! Can I Frank, just be sent to a you, dungeon Frank, somewhere? you can't say deflated. There's way too many Patriots fans on here to say the uh, word deflated. I know, and they play on Saturday. <laughs> all right, all right. So there it is. They have to. Uh, anybody who doesn't know Frank's favorite team, he's a Chicago boy. Favorite team is the Bulls. There, and P- Peter's catchphrase is, <laughs> "He's a bum." Uh, he's a bum, she's a bum, they're bums, your children are bums, whoever is in his way is a bum. I was born right, a bum. So the Blue Bumblebees, what do Ray Finkel's estranged children have to do if you are to win tonight? They have to sing in unison, I might add, Britney Spears' number one hit, Emmy Baby, one more time. <laughs> oh my God. I don't even know the one. lyrics to that song, so do we just sing the chorus? <laughs> Yeah, hey, oh, no, go, go on the internet. Go on the internet. Hold yeah, on, last hold time on. we had a, a singing punishment. I just want to throw this out there that Peter, you were the one that we couldn't hear, and Rich <laughs> sung "I'm a little teapot, loud and proud." So. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So we got it figured out. Let's head into the show here. First question of the night: Amos and Peter are going to be facing off. On Monday night, we saw the Alabama Clemson Tide win their fourth championship in seven years, beating the Clemson Tigers 45-40. to Is this the greatest dynasty in college football, Amos? Yeah, I very much do believe that Nick Saban has created the best dynasty in college football history at Alabama. With the competition and recruiting and keeping coaches and have coaches coming in and out, going to other teams to be head coaches or take other positions. Yeah, in this era, absolutely. He's done an amazing, fantastic job of always keeping his team focused and having them ready for the big games. And a lot of people will argue that, no, Bear Bryant has six. He he is the man that you know has the dynasty and no one will ever beat him. But I think a lot of people forget. When Bear Bryant was coaching, that the national championships were not played on the field. They were voted for by the media. So, you know, you get voted by the media, they became national championship. And then there were a couple times when they were voted national champions that they went and lost their bowl games. So, yeah, I think with the job he's done, absolutely. Best ever. Wow, great points there, Amos. Uh, Peter, uh, your chance to rebut here. What do you got to say? Um, I definitely think this is the greatest college football team, uh, greatest dynasty in college football history. Uh, you know, Amerson mentioned uh, Bear Bryant, um, you know, the voting for the national championship. But you look at Nick Saban, um, you know, this is, uh, I believe, one, his fourth uh, national championship as a uh, as a head coach of the Alabama Crimson Tide. <clears throat> Um, in the second season of the playoffs, they, they shut out the Michigan State Spartans and then beat the Clemson Tigers, who were really rolling the season and were undefeated by a score of 45-40 to 40 and held them off with some great special teams tricks. Uh, not only do you look at um, his body of work and wins and losses, uh, you also got to look at the players that he's had come through this program and go to the NFL. Um, you know, you look at Mark Ingram, Rolando McClain, um, Dante Hightower, uh, Drake Kirkpatrick, uh, Courtney Upshaw, those are C.J. Mosley, Haha Clinton Dix, Landon Collins, Amari Cooper, uh, and then you have Derrick Henry winning a Heisman Trophy. I mean, he knows how to coach players. And the thing about the thing that's different now than it probably was years ago in college football 
that players aren't going to go to college for all four years because you got to think about it. Now, if they're at the if they're at the peak, they're going to want to leave and then go somewhere else um, in order to <clears throat> in order to well, so they're going to want to leave and go to the NFL. So now you have to worry about players leaving early. And then again, all the players I mentioned, this guy knows how to coach players that are doing great things in the NFL or that have tremendous upside. The only one I look at. guys there yeah i'm here i'm I'm perfectly here yeah i'm loud and clear here and loud all right sorry we had some weird something weird going on there all right peter get back into what you were saying there okay so did you hear everything i had to say do i'm going to start from the beginning again no i heard a lot of it there i don't know if i heard all of it but i did hear i you uh, listed the players um i heard all that yeah so you look at the players and then like i said before you you look at the the national championships they speak for themselves and like i've said um You got to consider that players can leave early. You know, players are leaving early in college now. You know, I don't know what the numbers were like back when Bear Bryant or other coaches were coaching, uh, but you know, my assumption is, especially now with the way things go in professional sports, players will leave college early and they'll really go to the NFL before before their time is up. So I think they do that in um, in college for four years is up. I think they do it in a time period like this is incredible. And like you, you look at the players that he's. Coach is just phenomenal. The only player in the NFL that I've looked, that I've seen be drafted at Alabama that I think is a complete bust is um, Trent Richardson. I mean, I, I got the definition of a bust. But you, otherwise, he's, he's had some great players go to the NFL. Um, he always develops such great depth, and the offensive lines are always huge for Alabama, which is what helps their run game and their defense is always going to be stout. So you know, this team is going to bring it every single week. Both of you had really good points there. Uh, liked them all there. The point is going to go to Amos here. Uh, you know, both of you had really good answers. Uh, but Ray Finkel's The Strange Children going to get the first point uh, for, you know, breaking down, you know, the, the way it was and the way it used to be compared to what it is now. Alright, moving on here to the second question. Rich and Frank set to take off here. <clears throat> Floyd Mayweather this season or this year ended his career with an undefeated record of forty nine and O, tying uh the record for the you know, the best uh record ever of all time in boxing. Do you think that he is pound for pound the best fighter of all time, Rich? Uh no. And for the very reason that you mentioned the tie for 49-0 with Jake LaMotta, the Raging Bull. You have Mike Tyson in his heyday that was just annihilating everyone. Yeah, Floyd Mayweather went 49-0 and whatnot. But at the same time, I don't know that you can classify him as the greatest of all time for the simple fact there have been so many other boxers in the generations when Ali, you know, whooping Joe Frazier and everything else. It's just like... 
you know, the, the 72 Dolphins went undefeated, the New England Patriots went undefeated, but everybody argues who's the greatest of all time. When you're throwing records in there, it doesn't honestly really matter because we've seen dynasties that we were just talking about in college football that teams don't go undefeated all the time. So pound for pound, no. Uh, Mike Tyson, you know, Floyd May- Mayweather is up there in my top five, don't get me wrong, but I, to me, it's he is still the greatest ever. All right, no love for Mayweather there. Frank, what do you have to say? Hey, listen, I'm going the same route. I don't have any love for Floyd Money Mayweather because guess what? It took him 48 fights until we saw Money go up against Manny. Now, having mentioned that, I watched the much-anticipated fight last spring, last May. It was arguably one of the worst fights in history. Arguably the worst fight for a fight with this much promotion. But take a look at wins by knockout. Floyd has 26, right? Take a look at Manny. Manny actually has more. Manny has 38 wins by knockout. You want to go historically? Okay, well, why don't we go look at a heavyweight here? Let's go from a welterweight to a heavyweight. How about Mike Tyson? Some people say the greatest boxer of all time. 44 wins by knockout. Hey, Muhammad Ali, he had 37 wins by knockout. You take a look at some of the boxers that I just mentioned. They were more devastating, packed more of a lethal punch than Floyd Mayweather ever has. And you know what? There's only one way to determine whether or not I think potentially money could be the best boxer of all time, at least from the standpoint of the Walter Waits. There needs to be a rematch here with Manny Pacquiao. I would like to see the rematch. I think the American people and the rest of the free world were screwed out of a terrible fight between these two in which it wasn't even a boxing match. It was just a shoving match, unfortunately, which made me want to go to sleep. Hey, I didn't have to pay $100. I, or I saw it for free, believe it or not. But guess what? We need a second Mayweather-Pacquiao match. If Pacquiao, if, if Mayweather can last against Pacquiao and defeat Pacquiao again, then you know what? Maybe I'll say he's the greatest of all time. I want a rematch to make the determination there. Both of you bring up some great points, but Frank, getting the point. Love the enthusiasm. Love all the the numbers that you pulled up there, man. I love it when it's that heavy. Uh, so Frank getting the point, which ties it up at 1-1. Moving on to the third question here. Uh, this week it was announced that Rex Ryan has hired his brother Rob Ryan as the Bills' assistant coach and uh, looking over the defense. kind of It's not the defensive coordinator. It's that weird position. The Titans have Dick LeBeau in the same position. Where it's the assistant coach uh, defense. This is obviously nepotism. There's no question there. But will Rex Ryan end up regretting this decision, Peter? <laughs> you know what? I do think well, And we've talked about it on the show um, not not particular not tonight's particular show, but just before about how Rob Ryan might not be as good as we think he is. <clears throat> you know, it's closing off um, Buddy Ryan's legacy, maybe even Rex's legacy a little bit, because I think Rex is a great defensive line. But one of the biggest issues the Bills had last season was their defense. And consider how bad it was. I think at points during the season it wasn't a Rex Ryan built defense. And you bring in a guy like Rob Ryan, who hasn't been able to fix any defense in the NFL, period. I mean, you look at how bad they were this year. He got fired before the season was over. He has been he was fired from the Cowboys. Rob Ryan has a history of not being able to coach good defense in the NFL. Um, 
I think I think Rex did this more for headlines because we all know Rex likes headlines. Maybe he wants to help his brother Ryan out. And I get that, but the problem is that Rex Ryan only has one more year to make the playoffs or the Bills are going to let him go. That was a report that came out, I believe, last week or the week before. So I think Rex Ryan is going to regret this. You can't have a defense as bad as it was last year with the defensive players you've had and bring on a guy like Rob Ryan who has historically shown us, the NFL, the fans and the players, that he cannot coach defense to help you out. I don't care if he's your brother or not. You shouldn't have done this. It's going to be a horrible move, and I think this is ultimately going to set House Rex Ryan his job because they have the offense. They just don't have the defense, and Rob's not going to make it any better. He might even make it worse by the way he coaches it. Wow. I love liking it there, liking it there. Um, all right, Amos, what do you got to say? I agree. I don't think him coming in at all is going to help this team because I think as every head coach, when you bring in someone, coordinator, even players, you look and you ask, bringing this guy in, is it going to help improve my team? And he doesn't. Rob Ryan has been a defensive coordinator in the league for 11 years. He's done extremely well against the run. I think he has like eight top 10 defensive finishes in that category. And the secondary passing, he's only finished outside the top 20 twice. He can't do anything as pass. This is the passing league. And if you can't stop it, you're going to get beat, especially playing in the AFC East against, you know, Tom Brady, even Ryan Fitzmagic has had a good year and I I just I don't nothing bringing him in doesn't help you it's just like your mom called you like hey you better give your brother a job or you can't bring your wife to Thanksgiving next year <laughs> nothing at all <laughs> nothing at all helps this it's a dumb move and alright so they're getting rid of Mario Williams did Rob Ryan look around and go alright well can we waste this money on my brother because why not it's a terrible decision He's not He's not even a good defensive coordinator. I, I don't understand the move. It's nepotism, and it's a big waste of money. Wow. Uh, I'm, I'm loving it there. I'm loving it there, Amos. You're going to get the point for Amos, the Ray Finkel's estranged children. There. That was a good argument, and, and you made me laugh. That, was, that doesn't always – I mean, that doesn't hurt. That's messed up. Hey, everybody knows that my point system is very detailed, intricate, way too hard to explain. So we'll just move on to the next question. Your point system is like Bernie Madoff's financial system. The shit doesn't make sense. Oh, oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, Bernie Madoff will probably sleep all the night upon hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, moving on to question four here. Kentucky's basketball coach, John Calipari, has been linked to the Brooklyn Nets. and There might be a possibility of them meeting up, John Calipari taking over the job in Brooklyn. Do you think he'll jump to the pros or stay put uh, You know, with the, the factory that he has in Kentucky, Frank? God, no. God, for his personal sake, I hope he doesn't. Look, it's been ages. But we have been down this road before with John Calipari testing the NBA waters once. And if you look at it, it wasn't good. It was pathetic. I mean, we saw him in the for three seasons in the late 90s, 1996 to 99. He's a head coach at the New Jersey Nets, okay? They are not winners, period. They're 26 and 56. The following year, okay, maybe they make it to the playoffs with a 43 and 30, a 43 and 39 record. But big stinking deal. They were eliminating the first round of the playoffs. Then the following season, it's a 
lockout abbreviated season. Remember, it didn't get started until January of 1999. Three and is what John Calipari started with. He didn't even last the abbreviated season. This is a guy that wins at the college level here. This is a guy that has been to two Final Fours over the last few seasons. He has been to Elite Eight. He has been in the NCAA tournament. As a matter of fact, if you take a look at John Calipari at Kentucky, he has only had two seasons in which he has lost double-digit games. If you take a look at the four at, at every season previous to this, take a look at four full seasons in his six seasons there. He has lost less than ten games. They were three eight and one last year. They're ten and two this year. John Calipari, you are a leader of men. That is what college is designed to do. It is designed for people like you to lead young men into the real world. Not the NBA. So John Kellipp stay put in college. I think he's going to. Great points there. Uh, Rich, you might have your hands full tonight. Uh, Frank came to play. Yeah, I see that. You sent Uh, me the outline. Well, okay, let's put it to you this way. If he does come back, I don't see how the Nets are going to be able to afford him. Uh, they are paying $123.2 million in luxury tax right now as it stands. Uh, the last time John Calipari spoke to the NBA was Sacramento Kings. He said that even for them to gain his interest, I think it was somewhere around the, uh, he wanted a, uh, what was it, a $15 million contract for the UMass coach. Uh, he said he, it would take an 11 plus a year million dollar uh, contract to get his attention. Uh, one one article I did read says that if he does, he probably would jump ship at the right price. But it also says that with his, with the way it goes now, it's great for him to start a bidding war between two teams that really want him. But honestly, at eleven million dollars a year for a head coach in the NBA, I think you look at some of the head coaches that are only getting like five or six million a year, and, and I, I'm actually going to agree with Frank. You don't go to the NBA and get paid, and you can't do your job properly. So I'm going to say that somebody will be dumb enough to pay him $11 million a year, and he will make the jump, but I don't think he's going to be a successful NBA coach. Wow. Uh, great there. I love anytime you bust out luxury tax. I mean, got broken down the numbers. Rich is going to get the point there, even though the Frank had a great, great argument. <laughs> We're even. Or even, yes. Hey, that was, Boom! <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> Bernie Madoff at it again. But <laughs> I better I better give the next one to Peter or I'm going to be a bum. All right, moving yeah, on to the... You, 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 are, you already are a bum of mine. Peter, you just don't want to call yourself a bum if you lose. That's why you don't <laughs> oh! <laughs> Shots fired there. Shots fired. All right, moving on to the next question here. Question number five. Danica Patrick is entering her fourth Sprint Cup season this year. Uh, and she hasn't she hasn't raced well, you know, near the back of the pack a lot of races. Her best finish is something, you know, like uh, the best finish of like last year I think was like 18th. Best finish of her career is like sixth. If she continues to not show signs of improvement, should she continue to race NASCAR, Amos? No, I, I don't. I think she would have to figure out another some other kind of racing because. 
She's just not done well. She's had no top five finishes. She's had, I think, only six top ten finishes. Her average finish for the last, like, three or four years is, like, 25th or 26th. She's just not been good. She's not showing improvement. And unless she makes a drastic jump into a couple top five finishes, uh, even more top ten finishes, and just that the average placement per race... I think she needs to find something else to do because, yeah, I'm sure it's good money and she brings attention to the sport definitely with, you know, female audiences and it's a, the, one of the largest spectator sports in the, the United States and with her, it becomes that much larger because she's almost what, you know, you would call an outlier and, you know, I respect her for being in there, for doing it. I am sure she wants to do better but I think after a while, you just got to figure something out and be like, all right, well, maybe this isn't my thing, and maybe I need to go do something where I'm comfortable with and I know I'm going to win. She could uh, go for the race for Ryan's next girlfriend. That She might win that one. Um, all right, moving on to Peter. What do you have to say on this one? Well, you know, it's kind of interesting when we talk about this. This is your <clears throat> fourth year in NASCAR. Um, obviously, you know... Amos made some great points there. <clears throat> you know, not, she's had six top ten finishes in her career, uh, two last year and three in 2014. However, no top five finishes. And the one thing about her is that the past three years, she's, she's raced in all 36 races that she could. So, you know, I look at that, and then I thought to myself, what about Dale Earnhardt Jr.? His first four years were, were much more productive. They, they absolutely were. Um, he pulled more times, uh, more top five, more top ten finishes, but... The thing about Dale Earnhardt Jr. is he hasn't done a whole whole lot in his career as it, as it pertains to winning. I believe, in my opinion, just especially as of late, I I can't think of the last time I remember him winning something. Um, he's made a lot of money throughout his career. As is Danica Patrick's made twelve million already in her career, so she's making good money. So when you look at that, you compare it. You say, okay, they're obviously two different races, but I think she should stick with it. Um, you know, Dale Earnhardt. You know, I, I know I keep bringing him up. First four years were good. I think he's. I think he has improved. I think he's dwindled a little bit at the past few years. But the first four years to me don't mean much of anything. I think in, in some racing careers, because no matter what she's going to make, I think her name attracts people to NASCAR. So I think if she wants to keep building her brand, I think if she keeps racing. It's still going to attract people to watch NASCAR because a lot of things. She's one of those uh, racers that I think a lot of people are interested in, um, especially the way she came in the NASCAR. Uh, and obviously, she's making good money. She's uh, every year she's improved her earnings. Um, quite a you know substantially since her first year, she's almost I think three almost three and a half million oh just three million more than she made her first year. I think that's 2015, so does well this season. She stay, and I, I give her one or two more years, and then I think if she continues to struggle, I say pull the plug. But I, you know, give her one or two more years. I want to say for you for her to quit because that's just to me that doesn't make sense. Give her more time, um, and I think that she'll improve, and she has shown improvement more. You know, and she's having top ten finishes. She just needs some top five finishes and, and some wins in order to, to qualify um, what she what she wants to do. So you know, I, I really like Danica. I think she's a great competitor. She just needs, but I wouldn't I wouldn't give up on her just yet. Both bring up great points there. Um, it's gonna go to Peter though. I, I like the fact that he brought up the you know the kind of audience that she draws into this, and also Peter want Peter to quit calling me a bum. So they're gonna get the point. 
we're going to head into the commercial break here. Uh, we'll be right back just after a few messages. Uh, you're listening to the Free Parking Show here on jockjournal.com. Well, the boys are talking, and the show is really moving along. But we need to take a break before a fight breaks out. People end up in the hospital. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back now, you hear? <laughs> that boy's good. Mm-hmm. Good and terrible. Kids, donate your car today. Also on the web at carsforkids.com. That's cars with a K. We're a recognized 501c3 charity organization, so you'll receive a maximum tax deduction. What's more, you'll receive a free vacation voucher of three days and two nights. One eight seven seven cars for kids. K A R S cars for kids. One eight seven seven cars for kids. Donate your car today. Are you looking for the web's best sports news? Visit jockjournal.com. Sports media has lost its touch. It seems that journalists are scared to report what they see for fear of losing access to the teams they cover. At jockjournal.com, you get inside info on the entire NFL community without all the politics or fears other writers have. That's jockjournal.com. When you need the NFL sports news, information, opinions, fantasy, football, or discussions, there's only one place to to go and it's jockjournal.com okay the boys have settled down one has a beard in and the other has a stake on his eye well, why don't you give them a call and tell them what you think all right and we're back here the free parking show on jock journal radio uh we're gonna get right back into the show but real quick we wanted to talk to you about uh this real man block campaign if you go to jockjournal.com scroll down on the front first page there uh you'll see the ad for the real men block by leon Cersei, uh you know pro bowl offensive tackle uh, the you know you can pick up the shirts, you can pick up the hoodies. They have the real men block. There's tons of different designs, different logos, different colors that you can choose from. Uh, you know, I'm putting my order in for mine tonight. Actually, after the show, they're amazing. For any offensive linemen out there that you know, those the unsung heroes out there uh, that put their nose to the grindstone, get in there in the trenches and work hard. Uh, with a you know no getting no praise all the time. This is the shirt for you. Go out and get it. And actually, some exciting news. Uh, from what I understand, Frank, you're gonna have Leon Cersei on your show, the Sports Drive tomorrow. Is that correct? And that's right, Ryan. Uh, join us tomorrow on the Sports Drive. We are from 11 a.m. Central to 1 p.m. Central. Leon Cersei will be joining me tomorrow for an interview. Uh, we will have the interview at 11.30, maybe a few minutes after whenever Leon can get on. But we're shooting for an 11.30 a.m. Central interview. Uh, so join us tomorrow here on Jack Journal Radio and Spreaker.com for the Sports Drive uh, with a continuation of what Nash and Matt started just last night, interviewing Leon Searcy. I'll pick up uh, the torch tomorrow and continue our Jack Journal interview with Leon Searcy tomorrow. Should be fun. 
I'm excited to listen to it. Can't wait to listen to it tomorrow. Can't wait. Me either. Let's move on in the show here. Uh, real quick before we go, Ray Finkel's The Strange Children are, are are their leaders right now with three over the Blue Bumblebees with two. Moving on to question six here. Uh, the late game on Saturday between the Cincinnati uh, Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers saw a lot of extracurricular activities. Uh, you know, coaches pulling hair, players, uh, you know, targeting each other, a targeting call that should have been called that wasn't, uh, you know, perfect and Pac-Man Jones getting into it, uh, you know, with opposing players, opposing refs, opposing coaches, whoever they could get in front of them. Uh, the question in here is, who is the most for blame for how that game got out of hand, Rich? It's got to be the officiating. They should have squashed it right from the get-go. As soon as the first illegal hit where they knocked out Bernard came, that's what started it all. That should have ended it. Should have been a 15-yard penalty, whatever not. I think it was a bunch of flags that got thrown that shouldn't have got thrown. And and the officials should have stepped right in there and and said, look, we're not going to tolerate it. They tried hard from the get-go. I think there was a a report at the beginning of the game that at halftime they were standing at the midfield keeping these teams separated. It didn't work, so they didn't do their job. We've seen the officiating crew uh, not stepping in when they should be. They've been doing it all year, so that gets my vote right there. It's the officiating crew from the get-go. The officials getting the flag here from Rich. Uh, Frank, what do you do? who do you think uh, should take the blame here? Oh, I can tell you who should take the blame. Uh, Richard, you say the officials. I'm going to say two guys. I think it should be Mike Tomlin and Marvin Lewis. These two guys should have kept their teams under better cool. And I've said this before. The game of football is a game of wills. Clearly, the Cincinnati Bengals were the one that lost the will here because they could not get their mindset in check. And as a result, uh, you had Dante's anything but perfect, perfect. And Adam, bad man, not Pac-Man, bad man committing these ridiculous 30-yard penalties. Look, guys, this could have been avoided. I mean, Mike Tomlin, Marvin Lewis, take a page out of Mike Dicka's book and grab each player that commits a personal foul call by the face mask and say, we can't afford to have it in a game like this, especially since it's a playoff game. These personal foul penalties are vital. we got to keep our cool. So guess what? I have to blame the head coaches. And to that point, you have to blame Marvin Lewis because in the end, the Bengals just couldn't keep their cool. They're the ones that blew it for themselves. And in the end, the head coach has to take responsibility. So head coaches, in this case, Marvin Lewis on the losing end. Uh, before you rule on this, I'm going to have a quick rebuttal here. You say the head coaches should have had control of these teams. <laughs> yes, they should. Had the, had the officials been calling the plays the way they should have, we wouldn't have even been to that issue, Frank. And, and you know that as well as I do. That first hit that uh, Shabazz Napier laid out Jim, Giovanni Bernard and there was no flag thrown, that's what started it all. The coaches are not. The coaches can only do so much here, and, and that's why it's, it goes on the officials. I, I do agree with you to an extent that these coaches should have pulled their players aside after the fact that that happened and said, look, play the game, don't do this. But the officials should have thrown that flag to prevent any of this from escalating further than what it should have and, you know, said, hey, look, this is how it's going to go down. We're not going to tolerate this mess. 
but I'm did for a flag. There were personal foul calls left and right, and you know what? I have to take my stance here. Richard, somebody should have been. Somebody should have been. The coaches are hired. The coaches are hired to coach the teams, and you know what? Unfortunately, these guys out here were a bunch of babies. And unfortunately, the they official? didn't have the proper guidance. Whoa. So this is the coach's fault. I'm throwing my flag out. I'm throwing my flag out. You both need to, to back down get on your side. <laughs> Whoever's coaching over there on your guys' team needs to calm yeah, like down and get their players on the side there. No, uh, both of you have really good points here. I'm going to agree um, with uh, Rich, though. I think it is the on the officials there. You brought up some great points. Uh, so, Rich going to take the point there. Uh, but both of you have really great points. Um, but I am going to give you 15-yard penalties if you guys don't calm down and get back over hey, Rich. your sides. Hey, yeah. Rich. hey, Rich, Rich, Rich. Yeah, great yeah. Great, great job, buddy. Oh, yeah, well, this is all fun. We're just having a blast. Hey, as, long as, like I said, as long as we're entertaining the free yes. world, then, then you know what? We're difference makers. Yes, yes. <laughs> it's all it's all fair in love and war, I guess. <laughs> all right, moving on to the next question here. New York recently banned FanDuel and DraftKings with the accusations coming in of insider trading. Um, and, you know, there's rumors that the reasoning is it has to do with taxation or, or whatever. Um, do you think other states should follow suit? Frank, you're the... Oh, wait, hold on. No, no, hold on. Pass the question here. Sorry about this. Question seven here. Uh, Joe Crawford, the NBA official, announced his retirement will be at the end of the season. Uh, everybody who is familiar with the game knows that this guy has been the originator of many of a controversial call. Uh, sad news, good riddance, or just a not feeling it at all doesn't matter. Peter, what do you say? I mean, I can't really say that I'm going to miss this guy. Um, he's been known as one of the strictest people, um, and, and I know that he's been known for assessing a lot of technical fouls against not just people, not just players, but also coaches. Uh, it's you remember the Tim Duncan altercation? He, he ejected Tim Duncan for uh, allegedly, I guess he had someone like laughing at Crawford and, uh, and allegedly insulted him. So, and then Dunk, and then apparently, and I, I read on this all online before that Duncan alleged that Crawford asked if he wanted a fight. So that right there is just ridiculous to me. You know, you, it's one of those things where he says, she said, but that, that thing right that, that instance, incident right there, uh, not I, I if I'm not mistaken, I I believe that he was um actually suspended. Um or or maybe he uh he was so he met with the league at, at one point that season. Um they then he was reinstated. So I think that Crawford definitely had a checkered past when it comes to assessing fouls, um, maybe not making friendly with the players. Now Part of that is because I think a lot of times today in the NBA, you see a lot of players crying for calls all the time. So maybe he just gets frustrated when there are technical fouls. When there's something to call, he calls it and just and just thinks it's the right thing to do. But as far as I'm concerned, I'm not going to miss this guy in the NBA. Um, I do appreciate stern and, and, and good punishments or, or fouls being called, but I think Joey Crawford has just made too many over the course of his career. And to me, it's good riddance. This guy should have been gone a long time ago. But I'm glad he's gone now, and I'm not going to miss him at all. Uh, refereeing NBA games, he's not going to be able to be there anymore to make mistakes or or incorrectly punish players or coaches. So good riddance and goodbye. 
I remember the Duncan, uh, the Duncan technical foul very well. Great points there, uh, Amos. I'm actually going to de- uh, disagree with this one. I think it's a little sad, and I think it's because when this season is over, you're going to hear about four things: who won the championship, who lost, Kobe Bryant retired, and Joe Crawford retired. And it's easy because Ryan said it in the question. Familiar with the game, you're familiar with Joe Crawford. He is that ref. He is what Ed Hockey Lee is the, to the NFL. Joe Crawford is the NBA. I think he's great for the game. Yes, controversial calls, but that's a part of it. That's outside. If you're not a basketball fan, you're sitting down with someone who is, and they're going to bring it up. Oh, Joe Crawford's refing this game. This should be interesting. So that person will probably try to figure out something about Joe Crawford, the calls he's made in the past. I think he's an important part of the game. I think he's fun, even with the calls. And I think people are going to miss him. And I, I find it to be a little sad. Even with the Tim Duncan thing, I mean, it, it's still entertaining. It trends. It brings fans. It brings attention. And, yeah, I think it's sad. I, I'm going to hate to see him go. But he's going to. I think those are some great points that you bring up there, uh, Amos. And, uh, you know, it does drive fans. I mean, you're going to end up getting the win for this one. Uh, I like that, that, you know, that it does drive the fans. He does um, bring in, and he is, he is the Ed Hockley of the NBA. I really like that line, and that's the uh, reason why you're getting the win here. Uh, heading into question seven, real quick score update. Ray Finkel's estranged grandchildren are winning five to two over the Blue Bumblebees. Bumblebees got to start making a comeback here. Uh, and here's your first chance to uh, Frank. New York. This is the question I already read, but we'll get back into it. New York recently banned FanDuel and DraftKings with accusations of insider trading. Uh, you know, they've had the, there's the taxation thing that they don't know how to tax it right. Uh, you know, that they're treating it like gambling, of course. Um, and you know, there's, it's a sticky situation. Do you think that other states should follow suit and ban these sites, Frank? God, no, of course not. Because, because they don't know how to tax it. What, because they're not making money off of it because other people are? Let people enjoy playing FanDuel. Let them enjoy playing DraftKings. Listen, if you don't know how to tax it, that is too bad, so sad. Why does there have to be too much government intervention in everything, just about everything? This makes watching the National Football League more spiced up, and it's about time that the government leave it alone. Let people enjoy their DraftKings. Let them enjoy their FanDuel. As far as the United States government, get the hell away from it, please. Wow, very passionate there, Frank. Uh, I could feel the passion through the microphone. Vote me in 2016. <laughs> All right, Rich, what do you got to say? <laughs> uh, you know, honestly, I'm going to let Frank have this one because I didn't hear nothing about it. But if I was to say something, I would agree with everything he said. I didn't have much time to research th- this one at all, but it, it's freaking fantasy football for crying out loud. Exactly. I, I'm 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 gonna surrender the point here because I agree with everything Frank said. So I, we're giving you guys that one. Killing <laughs> me, I feel, like, I feel like a gold statue. You're right killing now. me, Smalls. You're killing me. Amos is over here trying to protect the record, and Rich out here giving away points. The point, of course, would go to the Blue Bumblebees. 
right, moving on to the next question. We're headed back to the NFL here. Minnesota lost in just a soul crusher, a heartbreaker, a gut wrencher, just awful Sunday against the Seahawks. Uh, leading ten to nine with or losing ten to nine, excuse me, with twenty six seconds left. Blair Walsh misses a twenty seven yard chip shot of a field goal. Uh, that could have been the game winner. Who is to blame in this one? Is it Walsh for missing it? The holder's fault for having the laces face back towards Walsh, or is it somebody else? Do we got any conspiracy theories? Is there a guy on the hill? Uh, Amos, what do you say? I'm gonna go with in general. Minnesota's offense in this NFL with the passing with the quarterbacks the great receivers it's hard to beat any team with nine points especially the Seahawks with Russell Wilson how he's been on fire the last couple weeks Doug Baldwin's been on fire they've been running the ball well they've been doing everything well on both sides of the ball yes Blair Walsh should have made a 27 yard kick but I've seen kickers miss 27 yarders Quite often, it happens a lot. I understand the significance because it's in the postseason. Minnesota's a young team. They're going to have to get better offensive weapons if they even want to get past the divisional round, which I don't think they would have with whoever they went against. The, the Seahawks are, I mean, they're in the Super Bowl back-to-back. Won one, lost one on a goal line interception. This is not a team that you go in and you look at and say, all right, well, we can beat them with nine points. It doesn't matter how cold, how hot. If the temperature is regulated, this is a team that you just can't do that with. They're way too good on both sides of the ball. And I'm going to put this one on, like I said, Minnesota's offense. you got to get more weapons. you got to get more production. You're not going to beat any team with nine points, especially in the playoffs in this era. Great point there. Uh, blaming the entire offense there. Peter, who do you say is at fault for this? I'm going to go with the offense as well, <clears throat> and, and also partially the defense. I'm going to start with the defense first. Um, it comes down when a Russell Wilson, the Aaron snap, when he was able to pick it up and find Lockett wide open, why were no defenders on him? You know, the thing about Russell Wilson is he's a guy that can run around and make plays. So they should have stepped back and tried to cover Lockett instead of letting him run wide open and get as far down the field as he could. Because that really was, where, I think in my opinion, is one of the reasons why the Vikings lost this game. They couldn't. They could not make a stop right when they needed to. Now, granted, they made stops in other parts of the game. Um, they stopped them on fourth down. Uh, you know, They made Russell Wilson look average in the first half. I think he looked average the entire game, but that one play really irritated me a little bit. You know, They should have been watching where he was. And then on the offensive side, Adrian Peterson can only do so much for this team. And remember, he didn't have a great um, game against Seattle in the regular season, so... I thought he did better this time around, but it wasn't, you know, obviously it still wasn't great numbers. And then you look at the receivers that this team has, and it just drives me nuts. I don't understand what they were, th- you know, I thought before the season started, maybe they'd be okay with their receivers, but Cordell Patterson and Mike Wallace are not good quality receivers. Cordell Patterson might be a good a slot guy for another team, but he will never be number one or number two in the NFL. He's a, Him and Wallace are the same receiver. They can run fast. They can run streaks. Streaking go Patterson, they can run slants, they can return punts and kickoffs. Well, uh, that's more Patterson than Wallace, but they cannot seem to catch them on a consistent basis. It's literally like having two two Tedgin Juniors on your team, guys that can blow you down the field, but as soon as they get open, they're going to drop that thing like they couldn't catch a cold. You know, the offense thinks, and don't blame it on the kicker. This guy was the only reason they put up points on the board, Minnesota. So to anyone in Minnesota who's blaming the kicker really needs to look at the, the front office of this team for doing a horrendous job of assembling receivers that can't do anything. 
So it has nothing to do with the kickers. The offense and the defense were allowing Lockett to get open on that Aaron snap. Why they weren't covering him, I don't know. And Mike Zimmer, and I hope Mike Zimmer yelled at those people after the game for sure. <laughs> I'm serious. If I was a coach, the bum that was supposed to guard him would have been benched for the rest of the game. I don't care how good you are. You're sitting on the bench for making a bum, bum defensive play like that. It's terrible. Wow, uh, great points there, Peter. You're going to get the point there. The Blue Bumblebees getting two points in a row there. Uh, I love the great points that you made there. Uh, Amos had a really great point as well. Uh, but blaming the offensive defense and, and, and really pointing out the flaws in what this team did. Um, I like it. Love the answers there. We're going to head into one more question before we head into the finale here. The Washington Capitals are on fire right now behind Alexander Ovechkin and the great team that they have around him. Alexander Ovechkin, of course, Mr. 500 now, the first Russian-born player to ever score 500 goals in a season. The team is now at 32 wins, 7 losses, and 3 overtime losses. Uh, The Capitals have never won a Stanley Cup in their franchise's history. Is this the year that they finally are able to do it, Rich? Uh, sure. Why not? They're red hot. <laughs> We've seen red hot teams in the NBA, the NFL, the NHL. Yeah, they get red hot. They go in. They win the cup. Uh, why not? Why not? Uh, why not them? I, uh, you know, it's like I said. Look, look at the Warriors. Only lost two games this year. They're the hands-on favorites to win the NBA championship ahead of the Miami Heat. Everybody's right. You know, everybody's on the Chiefs bandwagon, saying they're contenders because they're red hot. <laughs> so, I'm just gonna say, sure. All right. So sure it is, Frank. What do you have to say? You know what? I got to tell you. The reason why it's going to be a tough one for the Washington Capitals to win the Stanley Cup is because, and I'm not trying to be biased, but I'm trying to be a realist, but the Chicago Blackhawks won their eighth straight game uh, last night. And this is a team that lost a lot of guys uh, with the salary cap. They are starting to pick up the pieces, and they have started to play very well hockey. And, of course, anytime you've got guys – and, look, Alexander Ovechkin, this guy has been a jewel for the game of hockey the last few years. But understand this. The Washington Capitals, they have to go up against teams such as the New York Rangers. You have the Tampa Bay Lightning that were in the Stanley Cup Finals last year. If you take a look at the Stanley Cup Finals the last few years, it has been too much dominated by, well, the Chicago Blackhawks the Los Angeles Kings. If you look at the Stanley Cup Finals over the last few years, it seems that there is just a mixture of teams that are in the Stanley Cup Finals from the Eastern Conference. I mean, take a look at last year. You had the Tampa Bay Lightning. They were in the Stanley Cup Finals uh, a year ago. The New York Rangers, they were in the Stanley Cup Finals a year ago. I mean, two years ago, I should say. You had... The New Jersey Devils a couple of years ago, they were in the Stanley Cup Finals. The Boston Bruins were in the Stanley Cup Finals. You've had the Philadelphia Flyers, the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's just been more dominated by the Western Conference in terms of teams that have won the Stanley Cup. As a matter of fact, if you look at it since 2010, guys, uh, the Stanley Cup winners since 2010, with the exception of one, have come out of the Western Conference. It's either been too much Chicago or Los Angeles. Boston's the only team to come out of the Eastern Conference to have won a Stanley Cup since 2010. Uh, just looking at the playoffs here, it's about momentum. Can the Capitals win the Stanley Cup? Potentially. But right now, nothing convinces me as far as this team winning the Cup, potentially. Just wait. Wow, great points there, Uh 
Frank, you're going to get the points. I uh, brought up more, a lot more information, uh, more stat-heavy. Uh, so you're going to take the points. And that actually ties the game up, heading into the final question. So the tiebreaker goes to, of course, our guest. So Frank and Peter, do you guys want to answer the final question first or second? Your show. Your show, buddy. You go ahead and decide. You know what? I'm feeling pretty confident, so let's go first. Let's gamble. Really All right. Peter and Frank are going first. Amos and Rich going to answer uh, second and fourth here. So the final question of the night, uh, the NFL regular season has drawn to a close. Uh, so I want to know, what player was the most improved player in the NFL for 2015? Uh, Peter, you'll be the first one up here. Man, you know, I I thought about Tavon Austin, but I'm going to have to go with our man, Kirk Cousins. Because he been statistically his first in his fourth year in the league. Um, he played, it was rookie season, he had a sip in far G3 and started a game and play in two other ones. So I'm, I'm going to discount his rookie season because that was more of a necessity than, than it was injury or Jay Gruden trying to figure out who it was. His second season, he throws seven touchdowns, five interceptions. Third season, nine touchdowns, eight interceptions. Um, his, in 2013, in five starts and three games, he completed 52% of his passes. Then it went up to 61.8 last year. Um, and then this year, he had a great year. Almost 70% of his passes completed, over 4,000 yards through the air, 29 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. He took over for a team that I thought RG3 was going to start for this year and brought them to the NFC. One NFC East for this team for the first time since the 2012 season. And then you look at his statistically his games. His first six games he struggled, and then the seventh the seventh game against the Buccaneers he rallied the team down from 24 to nothing to win 31-30. They lost in, they lost in New England. Okay, that's you know New England just beat him up, and then he goes to New Orleans and beats the Saints 47 to 14, throwing four touchdowns. From that point on, he looked pretty good. Um, you know they. They lost a couple heartbreakers. One to Dallas, which was fortunate. They got blown out by Carolina, but again, that was to be expected. And then they they won their last four games, including three on the road. And that's impressive because they struggled on the road this season up until that point. Um, his last three games, he threw 11 touchdowns to zero interceptions, and he also ran for five touchdowns this season, too. So we can't discount that. Um, so I'm going to have to give it to him, Kirk Cousins. All right, Kirk Cousins is Peter's man. What about you, Amos? I uh, love the Kirk Cousins pick. I just disagree because I think he just got a chance to show what he can do in a full season. But I'm going to go with Khalil Mack, and I think it's hard-pressed to find anyone else who made the leap he did, especially from a rookie who uh, bypassing that sophomore slump. Uh, rookie year, he had four sacks. This year, he had 17. And he's the first player ever to be all-team first pro on two different positions. It's hard-pressed to find another guy like that who's made that kind of jump, probably in the NFL history to an extent, on defense. I think Khalil Mack's the guy, I think, at outside linebacker and defensive end. I mean, he just made a, such a jump, again, especially against the teams in his division. And I, I think he's the guy. I mean, four sacks to 17, and then first-team All-Pro on two positions. Got to go with Mack. All right, so Mack, Amos, this call there. Frank, who are you picking? Guys, I'm going to have to go with Carson Palmer. I know he was been by the injury bug last year, but he has definitely been the strong catalyst as to why the Arizona Cardinals have been winning games. I mean, look at it this way. This guy threw for 35 touchdown passes. Here's a guy that's 36 years old. 
Carson Palmer's skills normally should be in decline as you get older, but here's a guy that threw for 32 touchdowns. The last time he threw 30-plus touchdowns was 2005. 2005, a year the Bengals made it to the playoffs against the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was 10 years ago. But if you take a look at Arizona and the improvement and just the dominant force that they have been really overtaking the Seattle Seahawks for dominance in that division, I definitely have to look at Carson Palmer, not just for the touchdowns, but also he has minimized his interceptions considerably. If you take a look at Palmer, he has thrown 11 interceptions. That is the fewest in his career in a 16-game season. So for me, i got to go Carson Palmer. Great pick there, uh, Palmer. So, Rich, now it's on you. Final answer, what do you got? Rich, are you there? Sorry, sorry. I, I was uh, my mic was muted. I'm going to take Derek Carr. Last year, 58.1 or 58.1 percent completion percentage, 21 touchdowns to 12 picks. This year was 61.1 percent completion percentage with 32 touchdowns to 13 picks. Obviously, they threw the ball more. Uh, he went from I think he won four more games this year. Yes, the QB record. 3-13 and 13 to 7-9, and nine. so obviously as a quarterback, he grew a lot in that offense with his first-year wide receiver and Amari Cooper. Believe it or not, this year he had a rookie Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree. He didn't have that with them weapons last year, so they give him the weapons he developed, and now the, the Raiders, you know, were sitting at a 7-win season. Uh, that's my pick. Wow, guys, this is very tight. Uh, I always keep track of, of points as you go along to see who has the most of them. And then actually, uh, in between that two debate, it was very tight. Uh, but Amos and Rich, Ray Finkel's estranged children, are going to get the win this week. And Amos stays <laughs> undefeated. So, uh, Peter, I believe... And I'm no longer defeated. <laughs> Peter, I believe, has to say that he is a bum, and Frank has to declare... Uh, my love for Derrick Rose is the greatest bull of all time. Let's hear it, guys. <laughs> oh, fine. So Derrick Rose is the greatest bull of them all. Throw up. And Peter. Well, the first and only time you'll ever hear me say this on radio or anywhere, I am a bum. I lost. <laughs> I am a bum. That's, that's all I got to say. Terrible. Where's the tomatoes and the raw eggs? All right, everybody, oh. thanks for listening. It was a great show. Great answers, guys. Uh, you always provide some, some great entertaining answers. But we got to go. Up next is the Nash and Matt Show. Uh, be sure to f- tune in tomorrow night as we're going to preview all the games from the divisional round. Uh, it's been great having you guys here. Great show. Special thanks to Frank Sprankle from the Sports Drive for coming on to the show. Nice to be here. Thanks, uh, Frank. Good night, guys. Here, guys. And shout Goodbye, out to guys. Bernie Madoff for hosting our show. Great job. Great job. <laughs> Thanks, Bernie. Well, there you have it. The boys were at it again. We hope you enjoyed tonight's broadcast. We hope you had a good night and stay right where you are. Another show is coming up. Y'all come back now, you hear?